0: You're welcome to have your seat as well as grab your Bible. And if you need a Bible, we are going to be starting a new book today, the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark. And so we're going to be in a few areas of scripture. But before I say that, let me say how much I missed you guys. I am so glad to be back. I couldn't wait to get back and be with you. Israel was an incredible trip. We'll probably be going again in 2024. It's a good trip for you to consider being a part of. But I want to say I missed the family. And so you were greatly missed and greatly taken care of. Thank God for Pastor Mike and Pastor Jason uh, who were here uh, sharing the Word of God with us. Um, We're going to be in four areas of Scripture Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, as well as turning your Bible to Acts chapter 12, Acts 12, Colossians 4, and 1 Peter chapter 5. Once again, you'll see them on the screen Mark 1, Acts 12, Colossians 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5, and I know that that's a lot of scripture today, but we're going to be introducing the gospel according to Mark, so maybe you just want to kind of stretch your fingers out a little bit and get ready to be turning in those pages of the Bible. There's nothing. There's no greater sound than hearing the body of Christ turn the pages of the Bible. Now, if you use a phony Bible, no worries, Okay. <laughs> You can, I love to see the flipping of, the only thing is just don't be texting and Instagramming, okay? Um, we just, we just want to, I don't mind this at all, but uh, want to make sure that we're in the Word of God. And again, if you need a Bible, there's one in the seat back pocket in front of you. I wanted to remind you, our team to El Salvador is heading out this week, and so we're going to begin in prayer, and we're going to be praying for them. Why don't we go to the Lord to prepare our hearts to hear the Word? Father, I'm so thankful that we have a chance to pray. We have a chance to be with you in the throne room and you hear us. And now, Lord, I pray that the busyness of our week or the thought of the upcoming week would would begin to be set aside so that we can have ears to hear the word of God. So, Lord, I pray against any distractions I ask, Lord, that you would use your word in the powerful way for which you are intending for it to go forth. Thank you. We pray for those that are heading to El Salvador. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to empower them with your spirit, prepare them for their journey as an extension of our church in a different country. We believe in the go. We believe in that. And so we are a church on the go for the sake of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we all said, amen. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, as we begin our chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of this incredible gospel. Would you read along with me Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark begins his gospel account with a very profound statement. Now, this statement is both practical and it is also very spiritual. Practical in the sense he's letting us know, I'm going to start from the beginning. I'm going to let you know from the very beginning of the life of Christ, all the way to his death, burial, and resurrection, he wants us to know he's going to begin from the beginning. But there's something unique about the gospel according to Mark. The gospel, according to Mark, was written to the Roman. So we're going to find that he's going to stay away from the details of Jewish law because the Romans didn't understand Jewish law, much like most of us. We don't understand, nor did we grow up in a Jewish context. And so this gospel is a great book for us, the Gentiles, to study. He's even going to explain certain concepts along the way. So that we can have an understanding. So if he uses a Jewish context or an Aramaic word, he's going to explain that word. For example, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, he calls James and John the the sons of Boagianis. And then he says, that means the sons of thunder. We're going to see that all through the Gospel of Mark. That means, or so it's interpreted, so that the Roman could understand exactly what Mark was trying to get across. In fact, Mark even uses Roman terms throughout his entire Gospel. He wants them to fully grasp and fully understand. He doesn't even quote, well, actually only twice from the Old Testament. Because they didn't understand the Old Testament. And he wanted the Roman, he wanted the Gentile to understand the powerful truth of the gospel without all of the Christianese. We do that all the time, don't we? Hey, how are you? Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We speak Christianese and we don't even realize it. I'll never forget. We had a a skit that we were doing with our students, and it was an impromptu evangelization, okay, impromptu. So the student would come into a situation not realizing what they were coming into, and then they would be in front of all the other students, and there would be a person that they would go walk up to, and they would have to share the gospel, So one of our students walked up to a guy, and he was there prepped and ready for this skit. And he walked up to a guy, and the guy was a a drug addict. The guy was someone that was on the street. The guy was playing that part. So the student, the guy, student, walks up to the guy person and says to him, Hi, I'm here, and Jesus told me to be a fisher of men. So the guy that's playing his part going, dude, back away. I'm not into men. <laughs> like, I am out of here, okay? He didn't catch it. He didn't understand. He's using this Christianese term that he did, the world won't understand. We've got to be careful that when we're talking to the world that we speak a language that they understand. Now, I'm not speaking about naughty language. I'm just speaking about, they don't understand when you say, well, Jesus has told me to be the light of the world. They don't get that. I'll never forget. I was part of this uh, experience in Montana and I walked up to this guy and he was standing next to this big fish. And I said, wow, this fish is just like Jonah. And he looked at me and he goes, dude, my name's Eric. This is David. And that's John. Like there's no Jonah here. Sometimes we speak things into people's lives that they just don't grasp or understand. Mark expresses to us in his whole gospel, it's okay for you to speak to the world in a way that the world can understand so that you can communicate the gospel. Practically, that's the gospel of Mark. But this statement also has a spiritual significance. I'm going to read it again. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Don't think practically, think spiritually. The beginning, now that's actually a title, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, if we could move away from a practical understanding that Mark is simply telling us that I'm going to begin from the beginning and move our minds to have spiritual ears, we need to see that Mark is spiritually getting across a point. Jesus is the beginning. He's the beginning. Take a look at the screen. You'll see a scripture, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Revelation chapter three, verse 14, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. Now let me tell you about the Laodiceans. This was not the happy church for Jesus. This was the church that was lukewarm. This was the church that was kind of like one foot in, one foot out. And he's got a very strong rebuke to them. But Jesus is introducing himself to this church. And the way that he introduces himself with his title, he's actually giving hope for the church to change. So what he says to them is, these things says the amen. The faithful and true witness, take a look. The beginning of the creation of God. He introduces himself as the beginning. And we're going to learn as we catapult all the way to Revelation chapter 21 why Jesus would introduce himself as the beginning. This is important for you as a believer. In Revelation chapter 21, he would then conclude and he would say, Then he who sat on the throne said, Speaking of Jesus, the beginning, Behold, I make all things new. Now, did he say some things? He can make your marriage new, he can make your relationships new. He can make your family new. He can take the impossible and what you think could never be made new. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, Behold, I make... Church, I didn't hear you. Behold, I make... It seems like this side's a little more spiritual than the side over here. And I even looked at you to kind of help you along. Okay? Okay? Behold, I make all things new. They're trying to compete with you now. I love it. (laughs) He makes all things new. The reason he introduced himself as the beginning is because when we begin with him, he can take what's sour and he can make it new. It's just what he does. And so what Mark is trying to get across in uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 1 is a statement that I would love for you to write down he's saying this spiritually the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God or the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God is that all of us can begin again someone say Amen. amen all of us can begin again this message was very near to Mark's heart because it's the story of Mark's life. And he wanted to get that story out to everyone because he wanted everyone to know that you can begin again. I ask you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 12. Let's go there because we're going to be introduced to Mark for the very first time. It's Acts Chapter 12, we're going to pick it up there in verse 12. Let me catch you up with what's going on in our story. The apostle James in Acts chapter 12 has been beheaded by Herod. Herod wanted to hurt the church. And the way that you hurt the church is you kill the head. And he did. Now he has captured Peter. And let me tell you, if he's already beheaded James, what he wants to do with Peter is execute him. But God intervenes. The church is in prayer there in Jerusalem. And while the church is in prayer, in the middle of the night, an angel shows up and wakes Peter up. He wakes Peter up, he takes him through the bars, he takes them out to the city wall, and that's where we catch up in our story. Peter is coming out of a vision, well, he thought was a vision, he realizes it's reality, and he's been set free from jail, and the very first thing he does is Acts chapter 12, let's pick it up in verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many people were gathered together praying. Peter goes to church. And he knows exactly where the church is. It's at Mary's house. And Mary must have been a very wealthy woman in Jerusalem because she owned a house. And she owned a house big enough for the church to come in and have a prayer meeting. Now, I love our prayer meetings. We always come to a prayer meeting, and there's usually about a church this size, maybe about 50 people. Now, I personally believe that prayer is the work of the ministry. And when we have a prayer meeting, all of us should be here. But what I find is we will pray for things. And then when God answers our supernatural prayer, we will begin telling someone by saying this. You'll never believe this. Excuse me? We're talking about the God who parted the waters of the Red Sea. We're talking about the God who showed up in a fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we will begin and we will say, you'll never believe this. We prayed about it. And here the church is in prayer. Peter knocks on the door. Rhoda doesn't believe it. Runs back and goes, Peter's at the door. No one in the prayer service believes it. They go right back to, the Lord, would you please deliver Peter? I'm at the door. Like God has already shown up. But he meets a young man there. And this meeting with Peter is going to have a profound effect on Mary's son. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Her son's name is John Mark. And he meets Peter for the very first time. This event so radically changes John Mark's life that God delivered Peter from death that John Mark makes a decision. Would you take a look at Acts chapter 12? Look down to verse 25. Acts chapter 12, we'll pick it up there in verse 25. Barnabas and Saul, who were in Jerusalem, they returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. John Mark, young convert, decides I'm going to join the dynamic duo of Paul and Barnabas and I'm going to go back to Antioch, that happening church. Antioch was like Calvary Chapel, South Bay. They were doing mission trips. They were having prayer meetings. They were gathering together, learning the word of God. I mean, John Mark wanted to be a part of the cool church that was going on at Antioch. And then in Acts chapter 13, they're having a prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13, they start their first missionary journey. And I want you to see, look at Acts chapter 13, verse 5, who they took with them. Acts chapter 13, verse 5, take a look. And when they arrived in Salome, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John... As their assistant. John, the new believer, is on his first missionary trip. It didn't go so well. Flip over to Acts 13.13, you'll see. Acts 13.13. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, Acts 13.13, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, And John, this is John Mark, departing from them, returned back to Mommy. Sorry, Jerusalem. And the Bible is silent on why he went back to Mommy. But I know the pain of this. And I wonder if this experience is why Paul wrote, Be careful, don't lay hands on people too quickly. John was a new believer. He's on his first missionary journey. And something happened where the Bible is silent that he decides, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going back to mom. I'll never forget this. When Andre and I went on our first missionary journey, we took a guy with us and he was a big, like bulky college football player, like big boy. Okay. Like biceps as big as my thighs. Like he was just big boy linebacker. All right. And I thought to myself, I am so glad you are going to Liberia with me because we're in the middle of a war. People be afraid of you and I'll just put you up front (laughs) and they'll see you. And then they'll run from me. Like, and as you are standing, I'll be behind you going, Jesus died for you. Like, and you know, this is the kind of guy that he was. All right. I was so excited that he was going with me. We're in Liberia three days. 2 a.m. in the morning, he busts into Andre and I's room. He's from, like, the Northeast. He looked at me. He goes, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. He goes, a mosquito just picked up my leg, carried it out to its friends. They sucked the blood dry and brought it back to me. I'm out of here. He literally left in a week and a half. This big, bulky guy. I've experienced this before. The guy that I thought would be my assistant. I'll never forget another year, we went back to Liberia to have a pastor's conference. And while we were there, war broke out. We're not even in Africa for 24 hours, and people are shooting at each other. I'm here at a pastor's conference. I've brought greenhorns with me, people that have never been in Africa, okay? And they're coming with me for the first time, and now people are shooting at each other. Well, one of our gals who came with us, she got sick, and I had to go and help her. So I looked at a guy who came with me and I said, dude, I don't want to walk out there by myself. Will you go with me? He looked at me and goes, bro, I got children. <laughs> he turned his back on me and walked back to his room and shut the door. I thought he was joking. So I waited there like, <laughs> that's funny. Huh? I just thought he was going to get like a glass of water. He never came back. I was on my own. I understand the sting of this moment. And so on their second missionary journey, we don't need to turn there, but it's Acts chapter 15. Barnabas goes to Paul and says, hey, I want to take John Mark with us. No way. Barnabas says, yes way. Paul went, no way. Barnabas said, yes way. Paul said, no way. Now, thank God Paul was redeemed because remember he was a murderer before. Okay, So I'm thankful as he was getting angry, we don't read in the Bible, and Paul took a knife out and stabbed Barnabas, right? Like he had been delivered of a few things, but he's got a real anger problem and Paul and Barnabas are going at it. I'm not taking him. Yes, I am. I'm not, we're not taking him. Yes, we are. And it was so bitter. The Bible says there was such a bitter dispute that Barnabas decided to take John Mark and go back to Cyprus and Paul went a different direction with Silas. They parted ways because Paul said, I'm not taking John Mark with me. He messed up and he left us and I'm not going to go through that again. And at that point, John Mark and Barnabas, they walk off the pages of the book of Acts and we never hear of them again in the book of Acts. But that is not the end of their story. Colossians chapter 4, I ask you to turn there, go with me. Remember I said, let your fingers be a little stretched today. Colossians chapter 4, I'm not putting all the verses on the text on the screen today. We're going to turn, Colossians 4, we're about 10 years beyond John Mark leaving Paul. We're about 10 years beyond that. And I want you to see something. Acts chapter 4, I mean, excuse me, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. 10 years have passed. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, this was Paul's way of saying, I know what I said about him before, but I want you to welcome him. I know he wasn't such a great guy, but I want you to see who he is now. Look at verse 11. And Jesus, who is called justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision, they have proved, proved to be a comfort to me. Do you hear the way Paul's writing about John Mark? He referred to him as a fellow worker. He referred to him as a comfort. Look at the screen, Philemon, verse 24. Listen to how else Paul speaks about John Mark. Excuse me, Siri's talking to me. She just turned to Colossians 4.10. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. John Mark, my fellow worker. Wait a second. This man who formerly deserted the work has now gained a new reputation by the Apostle Paul who wanted nothing to do with him as a fellow worker, even someone who comforted him. Now I need to let you know how much comfort he received from John Mark. In 2 Timothy chapter four, verse 11, when Paul is about to be beheaded, according to church tradition, when he's about to be beheaded, he writes Timothy and he says, only Luke is with me. So do me a favor, I added that. Get Mark, John Mark, bring him with you for he's useful to me for ministry. Wait, this is the same John Mark who Paul said, I want nothing to do with you. He's useless. He can't go with us. Now he says, he's such a comfort to me. Could you just spare me, John Mark, and let him come and be with me? I want you to see the difference. And maybe we begin to ask ourselves qu- a question. What happened to John Mark? Where did it all change? Because something happened in Paul's eyes. He changed so much that he would write this gospel according to Mark. But that wouldn't be the only thing he does. The same John Mark would be the first preacher in Alexandria, Egypt, and that's where we've got one of our largest Christian libraries. He had such an impact in Alexandria that they martyred him there, dragging him in the street with a rope tied around his neck. That John Mark. See, his opening statement, his opening statement is his testimony of his life. I want you to make sure that you write it down. You will see it on the screen. When he said what he said in Mark chapter 1, spiritually he was making a statement, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that we can begin again. We can begin again. You see, because of the gospel, your mistakes do not need to define you. Your mistakes can actually refine you. Because of the gospel. I'm going to say it one more time. Your mistakes do not need to define you. Your mistakes can actually refine you. Because of the gospel, you can begin again. Let me tell you why. Jeremiah the prophet. You'll see it on the screen. Jeremiah the prophet is writing to a wicked nation called Israel. And he reminds them of a quality of God. And he says, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. In other words, God's not out to get you. He's not out to punish you and discipline you and make you right by beating on you. That's not the way God works because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Church, you can begin again. His mercies are new every morning. It's the message of the gospel according to Mark. Let me tell you something. Jesus wouldn't tell us as disciples to forgive 70 times 7 and not do it himself. It's who he is. His mercy never fails, his mercy never runs out, his mercy never dries up. In fact, because of his mercy, the Apostle Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and I personally believe when he wrote this, he had John Mark on his mind. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, the Bible says. Behold, all things have become new. Did you read it? That means your marriage. That means your life. That means your relationships. That means everything about your life, no matter where you are right now, Jesus Christ can make it new because his mercies never fail. They never fail. You see, church, I've often wondered, was it the life of Mark that taught the Apostle Paul to write Ephesians chapter 4. You see, I wonder, because Mark just didn't sit around and go, I screwed up. I'm a huge mistake. I might as well just go back to mommy, sit in Jerusalem, and let my life just be someone that fades away in obscurity, not John Mark. He believed that Jesus Christ, with him, that he could begin again. Paul saw this in his life. And in Ephesians chapter 4, I wonder, did Paul write this thinking of John Mark when he said that you put off concerning your former conduct. If you've made a mistake, put it off. Make the decision. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Be renewed or begin again in the spirit of your mind. In other words, learn the word of God and put it into practice and that you, take a look, Put on the new man, which was c- created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He watched John Mark. Put off the old man. Learn what it meant to courageously follow Jesus and then put on the new man. Mark didn't sit around and quit because of his mistake. No, in Mark chapter 1, he gives us a powerful statement. He gives us a powerful account of how Jesus makes all things new, even your life. And his whole book, the entire gospel according to Mark, is to let us know that Jesus and the power of the gospel can help you begin again. That's why he tells the story of the sons of thunder, James and John, who began again and became the apostles of love. That's why he tells the story of Matthew, the tax collector, who left his tax collector booth, and he began again, and he followed after Jesus. It's why he tells us the story about how the lame man could walk and begin life again, how the blind could see and begin life again. He tells the story that if you're rejected by your family, you've been given a new family because of Jesus Christ, and you can begin again. He tells us the story of a woman who bled for 12 years. But when she reached out to Jesus, she began life again. And in that same story, Mark tells us of another girl, 12 years old, who was dead. But when Jesus spoke into her life, those dead bones came to life and she began life again. Church, let me tell you something. Mark passionately wanted us to know the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that you can begin again. You can begin again. But there's another truth that I have to close with. There's another truth that Mark also wants us to understand. You see, in believing that we can begin again, The second truth relates to the first truth. We've got to believe that others can begin again. Listen to this statement. And I want you to think about the person that hurt you. I want you to think the boss that you despise. Excuse me. Christians, we don't despise anyone. We greatly dislike them. (laughs) Forgive me. Not at Calvary South Bay. We don't despise anyone. Amen. (laughs) Once again, I only heard this section. We don't despise anyone, amen? So the boss that you greatly dislike, we have such a wonderful way to make things pretty, don't we? And I want to read Mark chapter 1 to you again, spiritually. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because this statement has to be true as well, and I want you to write it down. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that others can begin again as well. Even the person that hurt you. That's the good news of the gospel. Would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5? I want you to see this truth. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Mark believed this. And we're going to begin to unravel as to why he believed it and so passionately wanted to communicate it. It's 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to pick it up there in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. She who is in Babylon elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. This is Peter writing. He calls him my son. Now, you have to understand what this means biblically. Whenever the term my son is used, remember, we're the family of God. Whenever the, son, when the term my son is used, what Peter is indicating is that he led John Mark to the Lord. He led John Mark to the Lord. In fact, one of our earliest church fathers was a guy by the name of Papius. Papias. He was the bishop of Hierapolis, which is modern day Turkey. You can actually go visit the city if you so desire. He was the bishop. He was the pastor of this area. And he writes in 110 AD that Mark never knew the Lord, that Mark never followed the Lord, that it was Peter that introduced him to the Lord. It was Peter that told him everything about the Lord. It was Peter Peter, that witnessed to him and ministered with him and now is ministering with him in Rome. That's why he's known as my son. My son. In fact, Papias tells us that everything that John Mark knew, it came from Peter. And that the gospel according to Mark is all of the stories that Mark heard from Peter himself. And now... Peter is ministering with Mark in Rome. This guy that forsook Paul. This guy that left on the first missionary trip. Peter, don't you know he could do this to you? Yep. But Peter knew something very powerful and very true. He did it to Jesus. It was Jesus that would come to Peter and say, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you but I'm praying for you. And when you return, strengthen your brethren. You see, Peter believed something. Peter believed in the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God, that he could begin again. And because Peter believed it, though John Mark had made a mistake, he believed it for John Mark. And he poured into John Mark's life because he believed that the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that everyone else can begin again as well. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that others can begin again as well. Not just you, the person that hurt you, the person that works with you, the person that you go to the gym and see. Everyone has an opportunity to begin again. And what's amazing to me is Paul embraced this truth. Later on in his life, in regards to John Mark, he says, send him to me for he's useful because Peter took the time to believe in the power of the gospel, that if the gospel can change my life, then the gospel can change your life. Now I've got a question for you. Can you embrace this truth? Can you embrace the truth that the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, others can begin again for the person that forsook you, for the person that rejected you, for the person that hurt you, and for the person that maligned you? Can you believe that they too can begin again? It's so easy for us to believe it for ourselves that we get to start again, though we've made a mistake, can we believe it for others? Can you believe for their sake that the good news of the gospel can penetrate their life and they can have an opportunity to begin again as well? John Mark believed it. John Mark believed he so radically changed because Peter invested into his life. Proof of this? John Mark wrote an entire book to let the world know you can begin again. A church, many scholars believe that the reason that John Mark left Paul in Acts 15, now this is a sanctified guess, but many believe that he left because he didn't want to minister to the Romans. He was a Jew. And Paul had a calling to the, to the Romans. He had a calling to the Gentile. And John Mark, he had to go back to mommy because he had to find out, like, Paul's going into all these Gentiles and I don't know as a Jew, like, can we go in there? I'm a little uncomfortable with this whole thing. And I personally believe that to be true because when John Mark wrote his book, remember who he wrote to. Romans, you can begin again in Jesus I've realized it through my own mistake that Jesus has new life for me. And now I believe, and I want you to know, Gentile, that Jesus has new life for you. To God be the glory for the gospel according to Mark. And here is the truth. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that you and everyone else around you can begin again. Amen? Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.